Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Crowcast Podcast. I'm Shane. Hey, I'm Ronnie. And these are the audio versions of the interviews we've had with our special guests on Crowcast. This episode is with Cobb from Punk Rock Factory. Yeah, man, it was great catching up with Cobb. Uh, haven't seen him for years. And to hear their their journey with Punk Rock Factory, it just sounds real fun, like fair play. And, and they're, you know, they're earning a living from it. Really insightful with the marketing, etc. What do you think, mate? Yeah, incredibly uh, savvy guy. Um, knows the the ins and outs of the industry, um, the modern day industry, I should say. It's just he's he's tapped into something there, and it's got a like I kind of mentioned a, a template and how songs should be released, when they should be released, and a very knowledgeable guy. Um, yeah, I think the band is like really cool. They 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 do it really well in the covers and stuff. And uh, I think because of that, they're successful. So it's not just the the knowledge that he has, you know, about when to do, when to cover a song or what song to cover. It's they do it really well. So that's the the foremost thing. But um, yeah, he's just so knowledgeable, isn't he? Fair play. Yeah, this should definitely be one uh, for any up and coming band. Or I kind of wanted to see it on the podcast or crowcast i apologize the visual version which is episode 91 on youtube um of how many bands are pretty much lazy during covid to be honest and i think cobb kind of says in this episode of how much you can do how proactive you can be i mean he tipped us and said you guys have done great and everything you're doing is amazing but i always feel we could do more um so i definitely think this is packed with with tips um, and and should motivate a lot of people to to be far more proactive. Absolutely, bro. Should we get into it? Here we go. Strap in. This is Crowcast Podcast. We are Like Jesus Christ, oh Cobb, Jesus, um, fucking hell. Uh, talking about Cobb, should we have a guest? Here we go, ladies and gentlemen, Crow family, please welcome Cobb from Punk Rock Factory. Hey, hey boys, all right, Matt. Hi, how we doing? We're good, thanks, bro. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Where are you two from? We in Cobram, in my house. That looks banging here, man. Is this your studio? I oh, know this is my office in the house. The studio is just out there, though. So yeah, just a open your house. Outside building. <laughs> Pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's right. stunning, bro. Obviously, mm. follow you on the socials and the work you've been oh, doing is is brilliant. Because you've got it like um like a smoking room in there as well, haven't you? It's got oh, that yeah. vibe, like yeah, yeah, it's fucking great. Like it's great, fair play. That's the beauty of not having kids, isn't it? You spend all your money on yourself. In the house. That's <laughs> Very what, true. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> have you been keeping up, buddy? Are you all right? Good. Yeah, really good. Just flat out. We're just non-stop lately with all the PRF stuff, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard not to have known you by now. I mean, when, um, obviously, we sent the message over to come on, I was saying to Shane just now, um, one of my kids was like, oh, that's wicked. I look at them all the time on TikTok <laughs> and stuff, which is fucking, that's ace, bro. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's... That's incredible, incredible. Yeah, it's mad how many people it reaches. The amount of people that we've just like bumped into and they just come and talk to us. Like I was buying something in John Lewis before and the guy's like, oh, oh my God, I love his stuff. Like, cheers. We'll go back further, but how, while we're on it, how did it all kick off and all that? Like, you know, so. So we started quite a while ago. I think it was it's about eight years ago or so now. But, like, we just did as a bit of fun, really, me and the boys, just making covers, having a laugh with everything, and never really expected too much to happen because it was just a bit of fun on the side. But then when we did the Disney album, it just absolutely blew up. Like, we started going viral on TikTok before that, but the Disney album just took us to another level. And since that, it's just kind of become a bit of a household name now. And everyone just loves it. And obviously the numbers are just through the roof lately. Yeah. Yeah. You could see on your on your website, I love you. It said uh, Punk Rock Factory, four idiots making DIY punk rock covers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then it just blew up after the Disney album, like yeah, like it still feels mad that so many people are actually listening to us because we're just having a laugh. Yeah, yeah, we just love what we're doing. 
I'm like, we're on it every day as well. The boys are here Monday to Friday, nine five. We're just out in the studio making tunes. So where did that idea come from, Enbud? Why did you decide to do the Disney stuff, the animation? Why? So the Disney stuff, we we'd already done. Uh, I just can't wait to be king from the Lion King, and we put right. it on the first album. But then we, well, actually, my Mrs. Becky, who helps us out and does our filming, she started push uh, pushing the stuff on TikTok, and then we put that video up, and it just it, it went nuts on TikTok, and that was the first real viral video we had. And then we just thought off the back of that, we'll start doing a couple of small other Disney videos. And then we just decided, let's just do an entire Disney album. And we just, we keep trying to do different stuff, but we're just kind of known as the Disney band now. So we're just embracing it. <laughs> no, I think it's wicked because, mm. I mean, you've got so many albums that already that you've been doing. Yeah. Like you said, if you're in there from nine to five, I speak to you as well. So I know you're constantly on it. Like, do you know what I mean? It is, yeah. well, it is your day jobs now, which is, yeah. fuck, that is just so cool. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. The fact of you've turned an idea, something fun, like you said, and you're still having fun with it. And this is what you do now, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which, that's incredible. That's paying the bills, et cetera, like, you yeah. know. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I tuned in from the early days, and I was like, fucking hell, that's different, that's wicked. And then you could just see it slowly but surely just evolving. Even the whole studio that you've got with the, the yeah. neon sign um, and everything just progressing, like, do you know what I mean? And then, obviously, yeah. the albums started coming out, which were incredible, it, Um and well done as well. Like they're um, they're not exactly cheaply made. Do you know what I mean? It's not yeah. like because everything you do is DIY. Am I right? Completely. Yeah. Like Ben's does all the production and he's nailing it. I can't believe how far he's come on his production. Beck does all the videos. I do the editing. Obviously, we all do the songs together. We do the socials together. We just we're on it constantly. And we're always pushing for better. Like you can see the the videos improving, the studio improving. We're always looking at new ways. To push the boat out, really. Yeah. Yeah. Is it like, is it like, um, like I'm loving all like the, the, the songs and it just takes you back obviously to the childhood and stuff. And I was thinking like, the reason I think why music is so good for our age in particular, it was because the cartoons and films and animation around our time, they were so fucking catchy when I all those theme songs. Yeah. Like I, list, I was yeah. listening to your album today. I went for a, a bike ride. Jesus Christ, man. It took me right back, like Thundercats. And I, <laughs> I love Thundercats. I absolutely love it. But you do such a great job, bro. Like Thundercats oh, is one of my favorites. Um, Animaniacs. Um, which one do I love? Um, Denver, The Last Dinosaur. Yeah. That's one of my favorites from that album. Yeah. Is, is, there any other, is there any song that you've, um, I don't know, put down like brainstorming when you guys get together and think of what songs to do where you've tried and it's just not working yet? Like, or. Constantly. Is it constantly? We could put out probably three albums of the songs that never make it because we're we're so hard on ourselves with the arrangements, with everything. Sometimes yeah. we can spend a week on a song and just go, nah, it's not happening. And wow. like that album, especially that. Well, yeah, every album we do it all the time with this, especially the Disney ones because they're not normal songs. They're so yeah. weird, like musical theatrical arrangements yeah. that sometimes just don't translate to rock. So you right. start putting it down and we try and layer up octaves and stuff like that and it just doesn't really work. So, yeah, constantly. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> Fucking love it. The, the arrangements, like I said, as Shane said, um, I think you knew, you've got a new one now which was on the South South by... What's yeah, that? South by Southwest. So South it was on the Gaming Awards, yeah. Round one, was it? So you yeah, did like a five. medley of all the games and stuff, yeah. which... Fuck, man. I mean, how, how long would something like that take? Roughly, I don't want to go too much and spoil it for, for the fans, but how long does something like that roughly take you guys? That one didn't... I'm quite surprised how quick we put that together because that was... We kind of sat in a room with that and we decided all the songs that we wanted to do and then we just got the songs, put them in a session, just kind of laid them up, which ones would work together, which ones are similar keys and timings and stuff. And then we just started putting some drums down, which we always do. We just kind of get in a room together, which is silly because I think the songs could be better if we all worked on them a little bit more. But we just get in a room and we just throw ideas at each other and I'll put the drums down there and then with the boys throwing ideas. And then we just start putting stuff. And we had that done within a week, I'd say, which... And that's the most fun we've had with the track because it feels feels more like an original, which the other ones were kind of just working with exactly what's there and building from it. But we had a lot of fun making that. 
Yeah, yeah. The, the, you do an uh, on the outro. The uh, the end section is so fucking singy. Yeah. It just yeah. reminds me of anthemic in a in a yeah. in a fucking festival. Like, do you know what I mean? So <laughs> the I can see you had to learn for that. That was Swahili in the end. And, <laughs> yeah, we're all doing gangs to that. We got some wicked behind the scenes. All trying to learn Swahili. <laughs> <laughs> Oh fuck you know. But can you, can, you speak, can you speak Welsh, Cobb? No, not really. The odd You can speak Swahili. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think what what I love is like you, you go in and it doesn't matter how fucking silly an idea it is, because it could end up on the record and it could end up being a pearler, like do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's the key to what you do, like, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. um and then Obviously, COVID happened, which was perfect for you guys as well, because everything became online. Um, so the, the the whole thing focused to what was being done, who could put out what, what content, etc. You got your base, you got your HQ, you're churning out these songs, and then you start getting guests as well, which was like, because when I started seeing that happen, I was like, that is clever as fuck, because I think you're one of the first people I've seen doing collaborations. I know, like, everybody got on the collaborations thing, but you're one yeah. of the kind of first that I've seen hot on it, like, you know? Mm. Yeah, that all for, just fell into place, that did. The, we had um, Steve from Belvedere got in touch. Yeah, because like you say, it was COVID. Everyone was just really bored at the time, wasn't it? But Steve got in touch, and I've loved Belvedere since I was a kid. So when he got in touch, we couldn't believe that. So we did the track with him. And then Jarrett got in touch, which was mental because Bowling for Soup. And then they all just kind of fell into place. They, most of them came to us as well. Yeah, Pretty Compass the Hero. Yeah. I mean, they're all yeah, bands, mostly. man, that yeah. we grew up uh, listening yeah. to in vans and stuff like that. And I was like, fucking hell, look, the boy's doing an album yeah. with, <laughs> with like everybody from 2008 onwards. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? He was mad. So. And we had Rody on the album before as well. He's loved us since like really early days. Like, even before anyone cared, Rody's always been there, which is amazing. So, is it yet again the socials that's drawing these in? Or... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because we've just been kind of on it, haven't we? We've always kept up with Instagram and YouTube and everything. And these, like, the fans have just grown with us, really. Whereas now we're seeing silly numbers because of the kind of videos going viral and stuff. But we've always kept on top of sharing everything with all the fans. And it's just grown with them. Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. It's the, it's the know-how how to do that and what's hot and stuff as well, which... Yeah was your background if i'm right you, yeah. you had like a marketing digital marketing background um mm. all to do with like analytics and who to aim it to and etc yeah. is that right yeah yeah i've been doing this kind of stuff with all other bands for like probably about eight or nine years now so to actually do this full time with prf as the main thing is amazing because it was always me behind the scenes working with all these different bands whereas now to actually be in the band which i thought i was done with to be honest i thought with like when I was 20, I was done with all this. And to be at this age now and actually touring the world and stuff is pretty slamming. Dude, I mean, we'll touch on that in a second because um, I, I know you can share it with everybody. There's there's obviously the, you're lucky to be on the drums and you, you've done all the hard work behind the scenes to, to make that happen. But before we get to there, um, when you said like your marketing background, you, you started off obviously the same as everybody else in school, bands, college bands, am I right? Yeah, yeah. Is that how you got into music, or were you into music before that, or...? Yeah, no, it was all, uh, yeah, probably when I was, like, 16, getting into my first band, and, yeah, it was always on the scene, like you boys were and stuff back in the day. Yeah, nothing, like, else, really, nothing orchestral. It was all just fan stuff. Was it no was it drums straight away, dude? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't play anything else. I wish I learned something else, though. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, only drums. Yeah, I was. It was. It's funny you should say that because when I was listening to like all your albums, it's pretty full on, dude. And they're like, every, like all your beats are just like, did, 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 like you, you're freaking flat out. Like, there's no, there's no room for you to have a yeah. fucking a breather. Like, yeah, I know. I yeah, and I'm too busy throwing sticks all the time as well. Constantly hitting the boys in the face with sticks. <laughs> <laughs> what What were the bands that got you into drumming, then, dude? Oh, definitely all the like early punk rock stuff, stuff like Belvedere and a lot of the guests that we got on that album, like Belvedere, Ten for Pole, Protest the Hero, Four Foot Fingers. But yeah, all really fast stuff. Like right. once I heard those kind of bands just absolutely tilting and propaganda and stuff like that, I just wanted to play fast and Blink-182 and Offspring and everything. Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, because then also Kiss and stuff like that, and more of the rock side and everything. But the super fast stuff was all those punk rock bands. Yeah, I mean, you obviously that's your background and stuff. I think I met you around two seven, two seven to eight. Yeah, um, around that era, the whole blackout, and you were yeah. in a band called the Guns, um, <laughs> which are well known across Wales. Fantastic rock and roll band. So that's why it was interesting. Like when Shane said about your style of drumming, because I remember it being. Um, more like what we're doing now, if that makes sense. It was more like the the rock and roll. It was more actually more rock and roll vibe to it. Yeah. Still kind of fast, actually, now I think about it. It had a punk rock edge, um, probably your influence. Thing is with them, it was weird because I was in My Little Murder, which I was, which is pretty much um, PRF without Peach. Uh, and the guns came to me and was like, come on, will you join us? We're going on tour, lost profits and stuff like that. So I quit my little murder to join the guns and I had a wicked time playing with them, but it wasn't the stuff I wanted to play at all. So yeah, I did make them a lot faster in a lot of ways, but I really want to be back in my little murder tilting flat out punk really. But we yeah, did that, some great shows. That makes sense. Cause obviously when I met Benj, he was in my little murder, but he had the, uh, the doctor, I believe he ended up being a doctor on the drums or he, he was a fucking slick drummer. Yeah, he was see. as well. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. He was, yeah. Uh, he was like, fuck, but exactly the same. He was flat out. It was all, uh, I mean, the first thing when I met Benj and I started drumming with him, he was just like, you gotta listen to this. You gotta listen to this. You gotta listen to this. <laughs> Everything was fucking hardcore pop punk. It was just <laughs> fast as fuck. Like work on that beat. Just, yeah. just play that beat. <laughs> Me and Ben just grew up listening to the same stuff. Like the amount of bands I know because of him just drilling Audio Galaxy and stuff. So yeah, we had a good time in that band. Well, it makes sense because same as like Shane and myself uh, and even Shina, we go back. So it's kind of like we've come full circle as well of like all the bands that we grew up listening to. And I think, I think when you find that dude, I mean that's why like when when I listen to your project now, everything about it just screams you guys. It's you know what I mean. You can tell you're having the time of your life. And I think when you find that, it don't matter when it is, that's when you'll get the best creative stuff going. Like do you know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah, so many bands trying to fit themselves into this pigeonhole and stuff just to make money, and it's only when you really love what you're doing that, that it's going to work, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and sometimes you've got to fucking do it. You don't realise it when you're in it, then you fuck off, jam with other people, and you go, why, why ain't this working as good? Yeah. Why, why? Yeah. And it's, it's just the people you've grown up with and you just have that connection with, and it, Definitely. It's, um, it's so important. Yeah, I actually had a jam with the guns, I think about a year or two ago, and we were talking about doing something, got in a room with them, like, nah, it's not for me, I'm in the perfect band now, I'm with the boys that I yeah. need to be, I, do, I wouldn't want to play with anyone else now, unless it's like yeah. a guest with a tidy band or something, but... Mm. See, that's beautiful to hear that. Right. That's, that's honest, because we, Alex played with us in... Um, Oh fuck! I should remember his band name, but because they're not kind of active now, it's, it it goes out your brain. Like, but he had a new band going after. Obviously, you did the Guns thing, and that was pretty cool. And Dane Campbell was playing drums yeah. with him. It Fucking like this, yeah. this. You remember yeah. the uh, they played with us in Swansea, Shane, and we were like, fuck, yes. these these are very very cool and that. But I was still like, eh, they are. I was like, but. Alex is like to me his wheelhouse was the guns. That was the whole yeah. welcome to the fucking rock and roll show, and it was just like, it it was wicked. But it's good to know, like the amount of times I've known you and seen you play, that this is exactly where you belong. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? That's and that's massively important. Like I said, like you know. Yeah, yeah. Like Al is super, super talented. Playing with him was always wicked, and we had a wicked laugh. But us four now playing together, we're just on a level now. We're just doing stuff. That's fucking yeah, that is. <laughs> Do you know what I love about that photo? It's so far from the truth. There's fucking water in the picture. Like that's just oh, not, that's not the band chaos. that I remember playing with. Jesus Some of Christ. the sh shit that we did when in that band, like just yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But there wasn't. I I was working this out the other day because I was I was talking about you and stuff, and I was like, yeah, I've known Cobb. Um, yeah, we used to play the the guns and stuff. We used to do gigs and blah blah blah. And then I was like. Fuck, are we not for that documented? And I'm like, that's a good thing that a lot of that is not on camera because we had a crew was... with us and it just never made it, I don't know what happened to it. Someone's got the footage somewhere. They were talking about doing it for a channel four documentary. They they was following us around for like a year. Fuck, that um... was crazy. That was crazy <laughs> shit. Yeah, that was crazy shit. Because basically, Shane, even if you were on like the bill with them, 
you you weren't driving home. <laughs> just weren't driving home. Like, do you know what I mean? The amount of times I turned up in a van as we do, you got that professional head on, or you're like, right, wicked. Uh, it just all went out the fucking window. It was just literally, yeah, it was wild, dude. But it was good times as well. And like I said, less less camera phones. Uh, it was all about the old MySpace back then. Um, so yeah, it was a lot of shenanigans and good memories for you, I suppose. And at least oh, you went yeah. over because you went over to Germany, played some fucking shit off festivals as well. Yeah, we did. We did quite a lot of decent dates on there. That's the one good thing with it. And learned a lot just doing what we were doing. Like everything I'm doing now started from there, really. So I th- we we constantly say the same. I think everything we did in the past is kind of mm. it was there for a reason, but it was obviously to make you who you are now. Like you know, so yeah. um, so the, after the guns, obviously that's when you start venturing into the the whole digital marketing vibe as yeah. well. And a few years after that, I sessioned with like on and off with a bunch of bands, and like yeah. I toured with like Save Your Breath and a few other bands and stuff, but wasn't really doing it full time. And then started pushing myself as more of a session player and played with a couple of bands. But then I started, like, I wanted to work with the whole covers thing, basically like an early model of PRF, and I met the Beef Seeds. Have you heard of them? Uh, I think only through you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they were like a bluegrass band from Newport, and I started working with them, managing them, and pretty much doing the same thing that we do with PRF with them, and that was like nine, eight, nine years ago, I think. So around the time early PRF. And I actually met Beck, who is my missus now, and she was the bass player, and started working with them. And then after that point, just worked with all these different bands over the years, doing covers pretty much, like marketing them, doing their social media, adverts and stuff. But essentially, it was all kind of what PRF is doing now, but early on. That's that's really interesting. And how would, how would you do it? Would you like aim, like just basically pick out on on facebook and stuff like that because we were in the facebook era then i yeah. i assume yeah well it was um youtube so what i was doing a lot was seeing what were the like viral videos at the moment so when it was like lord royals and uh, blurred lines and stuff when those songs seem like they're gonna pop off we get in the studio quickly and do a cover of that make a video get it up get it on spotify itunes youtube and everything and then put a little bit of money into advertising but back then it wasn't so much adverts it was more just sheer social media and Reddit and all these other places that I just drill and be them on social media. So constantly talking to their fans, putting up photos, little snippets of videos and just trying to make their videos go viral, really. That's that's incredible. Have you got tips for bands these days as well? Because what we've seen through... um through lockdown i think it's fair, it's a fair comment you've got bands like yourself we've we've gone and done the crowcast route as well um we did the whole um pre-gig selfies um so we were always trying to interact with everybody it was cracking cracking ideas from from the band uh always trying to keep active always trying to kind of build that community build that family which we've got it into now like yeah. you know um yeah. is is that the key to it as well yeah it is, yeah. You've got to involve the fans. But also, I think the big mistakes a lot of these bands make is they think that just being an amazing band is enough these days, but it's not because you've got to be you've got to be content creators, you've got to be video makers, you've got to be photographers, you've got to be social media experts, you've got to be marketers because if you're not doing it, somebody else is going to do it and they're going to get more success than you. And we're, we're playing the social media game these days, aren't we? Like, you know, you could make the best song ever, but you can't reach people unless you know how to market it. So, like, you're nailing it. The way you guys are doing it and how you're doing it with the Crowcast and everything is just genius because it's finding a way to connect to people. We do that by making these videos, these videos going viral, and then when that audience comes in, then we market to them and we say, now buy this and now do this and everything, and same thing you're doing, really. And it's finding a way to separate yourself from everyone else, really, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. that that, that was another reason, like, me and Shane were saying about getting you on as well because it's great to have someone else rather than us preach because there's a lot of bands kind of saying that they they can't really do a lot at the moment or they haven't been able to do a lot and i think in this age this is where you can capitalize to be honest this is where there's been a lot of people at home there's been a lot of people listening um the only thing that i find frustrating at the moment is when a band do bring out a new single um and it's there today and it's gone tomorrow that 
that is but that is the way of the world now so it's not a it's, it's not even a gripe on the consumer or the fan or the or or the, the the person that has grown with your band like it's just more the society that we're in at the moment of yeah. there's a lot of work that goes into it a lot of people get paid in our case for example on certain areas and then the song gets put out and then the next week it's like right we're on to the next where yeah. i suppose with you guys it's it's a lot less hurtful in that manner because you can kind of go right bang in. We'll get the next song out now because you're yeah. filming, recording, um, fucking advertising. Everything is like, like you said, is just bang, bang, bang. So you're constantly keeping it moving. Like it, yeah. I think it's more frustrating for the bands who um, you spend that run up as you remember. Yeah. And then it's like, use the releases. And then it's like, right, that's that done. And on to the next, which you. Yeah. So fucking- it's heartbreaking for bands. It is. It really is. And the time and love and effort that goes into these things and the money as well that goes into it. Like, we're so lucky, obviously. I've got the studio. Ben's doing the production. Beck's doing the filming. We can turn these things over. But bands don't have that, do they? And it's it's so hard. You put that much effort into something and you want it to explode. But it is. It's the world that we live in now. It's this throwaway culture that people don't really care about albums anymore. Like, Spotify is amazing on so many levels. But for that classic band album approach, it's, it's killed it really, haven't it? Which is it's hard. But this is why instead of doing a 12-track album and thinking this, this album's going to change the world, I think bands need to get a little bit more savvy now and start working on singles and put out a single once a month because then you benefit from things like Spotify, uh, Release Radar, and Discover Weekly, which when you put up an entire album, you can only pitch one song. So it's given us a lot more tools to work in different ways. <clears throat> But but it is hard. When you're spending a year making an album and then nothing happens, it is a shame. <laughs> yeah. 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 How how do you find it? I mean, you've lived in all the worlds of of being well, grassroots. You've always been grassroots in all respect. Yeah. Like do you know what I mean? The DIY Viper. Do you actually find it more exciting now where it's kind of like oh, bro? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And like, I've done a lot of work behind the scenes with like decent labels and stuff. And like the biggest band I work with would be Codaline and they're huge. Yeah. But yes. even at that level, the money that they throw, like a new single comes out and they're like, right, you've got a budget of 80 grand, go and promote this single. And I just see the money being spent. You're like, oh God, that's just, you could do so much more with that. But yeah, there's just so much money being thrown around. This is why the entire, for me, I think we're seeing this big shift now where Bands just need to learn these different things, learn these techniques and these tools, and stop relying on labels, stop relying on promoters. Like, obviously, you need an agent and stuff for kind of top-level stuff, but just doing these things themselves and not having a label saying, no, we don't like what you're doing there, we don't like what you're doing there, just learn this stuff. Like, you've got all the time in the world to sit there and read all the kind of things that I used to read, and there's YouTube tutorials and tons of stuff to read to put it back into it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it just comes down to like um, I know that you 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 could I guess you could argue musicians are just sitting there going, "Well, I don't want to do that. I just want to play guitar. I just want to sing. I just want to go and do shows and blah blah." blah. But you are absolutely right. The era has changed now. The the the, yeah. the market has changed completely, and it was never. It, it's mad hearing you talk, and it's almost like you've got this. Um, uh, what's the word? Like a template then of, of how you would release and and songs and and keeping within your fan base and stuff and hitting new audiences. But we 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 kind of didn't do Crowcast and all this other stuff because we were thinking in that way, like oh, we need to do this. It, it almost organically just happened, yeah. and and then because we had such a reaction, we're like shit, like this is it like we almost like stumbled yeah. upon it because we were, we were you know obviously covid tied our hands and like oh let's just let's just keep in touch with the fan base we've they love our shows they come and support us just doing the crowcast and they're here now and and it's like but without crowcast they couldn't have done it and then you start thinking yeah. there's so many more avenues you can go into and we're having meetings weekly about what we can do off stage and those conversations were never a thing for bands like yeah. five years ago, as little as five years ago, they weren't even a thing. Um, and just seeing how it's changed in the last two years, even, yeah, um, 
and you're quite right, but if if you're not doing it, somebody else will. And um, yeah. I think it's a case of you can't be a lazy musician no more. Oh, I, like the, yeah. there was always this thing, wasn't it, where you can just like, I'm just gonna rock up to a gig, man, with my guitar and just fucking play a show and then get pissed and then do it again tomorrow. Well, yeah. sadly, there's no longevity in that anymore unless you're a fucking incredible songwriter who can just churn out songs every. But as you said, if you haven't got a platform, <laughs> for, yeah. so it's just almost like musicians and, and kids and people who want to be successful it ain't just about being in a band anymore on stage it's the yeah. shit you do off stage that's almost yeah. as important as the music you're producing big time and all these kids that are coming up now like we're of the old school generation so we're kind of yeah. holding on to these things but learning about the new stuff just yeah. look at these kids on tiktok that oh, are just man doing the most insane numbers yeah. and if you're not doing it and you can't be asked to do it because you'd rather be playing playstation or something like that then some kid's just going to blow past you and get paid a million pound for some crazy thing on tiktok isn't it yeah like it, we don't want to be doing like we love the music we love the playing live and all that stuff we don't want to be sitting there going right we got to do a million videos on tiktok and, and we need to try this one little thing and we need to make the video 11 seconds because it works better and it's yeah. going to go more viral we don't want to be doing that we want to be making like we if we had the free time we could probably do three albums a year maybe four but so much of the time is obsessing over the numbers it's putting up a video and going right, this is going to be the one. And then the next morning going, ah, okay, this is going to be the next one. And just winding the boys up all the time because I'm just like, this is the one. (laughs) (laughs) Just becomes such a stress. (laughs) What what is the one at the moment? What is the leading jewel? Yeah. Oh, um, we don't talk about Bruno. That's that's, that's That's the one. That's the gift that keeps on giving for us right now. And like I said to you the other day about it was supposed to be, it was on the Oscars, but they had that video going round and we couldn't see it on the broadcast. But they I didn't know whether I that. could say that, but yeah. Oh, yeah, because no, yeah, we signed the waivers and everything, but it just, we there didn't see it on there. Yeah, tell Shane about that, man, because obviously I, I had the email chain with you and stuff, which was really so cool. We had an email from TikTok with like loads of heads of TikTok saying the Oscars want to speak to you about something. It's like, what's this about? Then the Oscars get in touch and they say, we want to use your video on the Oscars if we don't talk about Bruno. So we're like, yeah, please do. We didn't know what to expect. And then we all stayed up the other night, like Sunday night, like three in the morning, all of us are knackered just on WhatsApp. We're like, oh, this is going to be it. And what it was, was like a disco ball of loads of different creators on there. And you couldn't really see it anyway, but it was on there. <laughs> Which, still awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was still on there. So there's was wow. Yeah. And you got Incredible. to see that slap live as well. Oh, God, yeah. That's ridiculous. Oh, I thought it was fake until he started shouting afterwards. Like, awkward. Yeah, yeah. I, thought he did the, I thought he did the wrestling vibe. Yeah. I thought he did the whole yeah. slap, slap, you know, dick with and then slap the thigh. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? And then when he sat back down in the F-bar, man, I was like, oh, he's fucking yeah. serious here. Like, yeah. oh, here we go. You see his publicist in the corner like, oh, God, no. What are yeah, that was rough. Oh, I bet I walk the band up on the old WhatsApp group. Oh, it was yeah. like, fuck it, I'll check us out. <laughs> oh. First thing I thought was, like, can you imagine if Ricky Gervais was on there? Fucking hell, like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first thing. Ah, oh, well, that's really interesting that that's, mm. you know, that's, so has that become, like, your your target now? It's almost like, right, there's the song. Let's Let's get that one. Let's get the next popular one out. Yeah, well, that was just prime time, wasn't it? Because we put that up just as Encanto was blowing up. And we did actually, so we put that up on TikTok first, and that just went bonkers. And then Jessica Darrow from Encanto then got in touch with us and said she'd love to do uh, a version of Surface Pressure, which is the song she sings from Encanto. So we also did uh, a little cut of that for TikTok as well, put that up. Both of those went crazy. But then we uploaded the full two tracks then to Spotify. And that's, like, we went from... I think like 90,000 monthly listeners up to 150,000 monthly listeners with that song. Oh, and we just had a post on Unilad as well, which is like Lab Bible. So that's just... seen that. Yeah. Yeah, that's gone bonkers. I think we're getting like 1.4, 1.5 million streams at the month. And mm. Yeah, in a month at the moment. Yeah, well, you add that. I've seen the Unilad thing, which is fucking massive. And congratulations yeah. for that. Because it was right. like, this is the covers band you've got to check out at the moment, yeah. which was, I was like, fuck it, Al, fair play to him. Um, and you got, you were even on the radio as well. Um, you were on Radio One, I think. 
Scott oh, yeah, that was. Oh, yeah, we were there. That was surface pressure. That was mental. That was on a chart show. Yeah. Somebody, somebody tweeted about it, and we were like, nah, they're not on a bus. And then we put it on, like, Jesus, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I, I, I happened, I don't know why, but the radio was on, and I just remember kind of going, fuck. <laughs> Cause, yeah, because I thought they were going to play the track and stuff, but they were genuinely yeah. on about like she was singing on the track, and yeah. it's this band I've been following on. So he's been following you as well on TikTok, which is nice. is fucking crazy. So, but like you said, that's that's the name of the game these days. Yeah. Like it's keeping relevant, it's keeping the content going out there. Um, Our reach has been so mental, though. Everyone's seen us. Like it's crazy because we keep getting into these conversations with people, and they all know who we are. Like all the guests as well, they're just like they all know who we are, which is wild. But then when you actually like, I did a data breakdown recently of all the TikTok stuff because we were talking to uh, some labels and stuff. Well, not labels, like marketers around the world and stuff. And the amount of views worldwide that those videos have got is just like everyone's seen it. So when you see people like that saying it, like oh yeah, it does kind of make sense. So, how do I put this now, right? Obviously, like you're a covers band, right? So yeah. there's 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 a clearly you've seen a market here. Like you said earlier, there's things that blow up on the internet. You're looking, oh, that's blown up. Let's do a cover of that. Boom. That's that's like this perfect. You're hitting it when it's hot. Yeah. So, I mean, the success you're seeing now, because it's it's so strange, dude. When we were growing up, if you were doing covers, it was like lame. You're doing yeah. covers, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're doing your own music, blah, blah. But yeah. you've literally got this new market and you're doing this in the, and you're doing it so well, as you said, the, produ- the, the production of it all, the arrangement of it all, and getting these guests on it. But obviously, like, killer tunes that have probably got writers, like 15 writers on these Disney yeah. songs. <laughs> and, and like you said, are just incredible pieces of work. And you're just slamming it, dude. So obviously, <laughs> f- being in a covers band and finding this market, it's like always, people always just say you won't get money out of covers, but here you are proving yeah. the point. Yeah, like all the bands that I used to work with when I was making them do covers, it was always like the cover was the catalyst for the main stuff. Yeah, and it was just like right, we're gonna get Royals blowing up, but then we're gonna bombard them with posts saying, oh yeah, we're sorry because we actually make originals and stuff. But yeah. Like we're not, we might consider it one day with PRF, but we're just having so much fun doing the originals because it doesn't feel like a a typical covers band because we rip these songs to pieces and a lot of people say it's not like covers, it's more like we're completely changing these songs around and just giving them a new life. Yeah, totally agree with that. Everything I've listened to, it was like taking you back to the what those songs was brilliantly sort of catchy tunes, but you do it so well, bro. Hats off to you. Well, well, I was looking at it as well as like, um, I remember when Scooby-Doo years ago, um, they changed. It was like the new modern uh, animated version of Scooby-Doo. And I think it was, was it All Time Low or? MXVX, wasn't it? There we go. Yeah, so they, they yeah. did the brand new version of that. And it's almost like I heard the same with you guys. So the more I was getting drip fed, I was like, fucking hell. And I was almost imagining like if there's a new version of this or if there's a new this or yeah. you're you're almost capitalizing on that as a playlist because it's almost like they can go uh, Punk Rock Factory. We can go to them now because they've got they've got the version of that. Or yeah. do, do you know what yeah. I mean? So it's fucking... yeah. Well, that's a big goal for us. We, we want to do instead of writing originals, we want to be doing theme tunes. So we're already talking to one thing, which is a long way away, but if it works out, it could be huge. But that's, mm-hmm. we want to be doing theme tunes. Like We've always talked about that. Yeah, it just makes sense as well. Like, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? But even like some of the versions you did, like Shane said earlier, I mean, fucking Thundercats, you got DuckTales, you got, there's mm-hmm. just so many little chestnuts there. That's without the big Disney hits. Um, yeah. That's without like um, seeing, seeing this as well, where you're doing like mm-hmm. uh, your own take on like Limp Biscuit and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But they, this is a thing with publishing and stuff. They, they might not even like the original version of Limp Biscuit. They might want a different version of Limp Biscuit, which is a. Yeah. It's always great to have that in your in your playlist or your archive, your library, whatever you want to call it. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like there's all these different banked versions that a company could go. Fuck, we got this cool new American teeny film, and we want this happening, and we want that, and we want a like a pop punky kind of version. And all of a sudden, bang, there you are. Yeah. Like, so. 
there's just yeah. so many avenues with it like do you know what i mean so it's it's a cool very like kudos to all of you like you know uh, like i said we keep an eye and and i was like fuck they get in you could see it growing and growing and growing and it was like wow and then when i was speaking to benj behind the scenes he's like full-time job no bet all of us are doing <laughs> this i was like that's the that's the dream like do you know what i mean and then building right up to the fact we've talked a lot about online but you've actually taken this on the road now as well your yeah. your first gig was bloodstock <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I gotta ask you, bro. How how did so? What was the set? Can you just reel off some songs that was in your set at Bloodstock? Uh, so what do we do? Power Rangers, Pokemon, Let It Go, um, loads of the Disney stuff. Uh, how far I'll go? Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. What? And they just lost their shit, like they went. Honestly, we thought we were gonna get bald. We only got asked to do that like a week before, so we were shit in our pants. Yeah. Like we we'd like they'd said a little bit before that there was potential. So we kind of worked on a 20 minute set. But right. then it was like, oh no, you're what were we like one from the top? Yeah. So yeah, main support pretty much for that night. And we had to put an hour or yeah, hour twenty set together. <laughs> and we we thought we were gonna walk on stage and it was just gonna be like playing Disney. Nah, not happening. And they lost the plot. It was amazing. That that That's audience cool. was so good. They would sing along every song. You and them singing "Let It Go" at the end. I was like, "Whoa, this is deep." Well, I remember like the day after. Just yet again, um, social media. That's the beauty beauty of the world we live in. But um, it fucking blew up because I think you did "Let It Go," like you said. And I just seen a shitload, a tent full of fucking metalheads. That's what I was seeing the Shane off camera. I was like, I just watched a tent blow up singing fucking Let It Go, like in Bloodstock, which you can't, you can't fucking write. And the amount of people that couldn't get in the tent as well, people like that were coming to see us, like publicists and people like that were saying, oh yeah, we came over, we got a little bit late, couldn't get anywhere near the tent. It was like, there's the tent, there's the fairgrounds. And it was so far back because it was just this buzz of everyone to come see us. We didn't know any of this. We were just like, see what happens. We'll have a laugh. And that was wicked. Considering that was the first show, even if that won the first show, it still would have been bonkers. But we never expected that. It's so cool, dude. It's so (laughs) cool. And before I get on to the next chapter, obviously, because like I said, you've been taking on the road. All of this might not have happened. Am I right? For you in particular. Yeah. yeah. Are Are you cool to talk about that or...? Yeah, yeah, of course. So was that about? I think it's about four. Yeah, about four years ago now. We were practicing, and my hands started going a little bit weird. Like I was kind of like we were all laughing about it, as if I was like turning into a T Rex, and I played <laughs> drums like that, my hands up, and it was just I was starting getting pains all the time. So I started going to different doctors, and first they were saying it was like tennis elbow and repetitive strain injury from drumming and stuff. And like a year of back and forth, loads of tests and everything. And it was getting so bad. I, I had to stop drumming for a while. Like my hands were starting to swell and I'd wake up in the middle of the night and it just felt like my hands were on fire. It was horrible. Like proper just taking painkillers all the time just to just to stop hurting. And in the end, it turns out they diagnosed me then when they found out what it was. And it's called palindromic rheumatism, which is a rare type of arthritis where my my joints are actually fine, but my immune system is attacking all these joints in my body. So it, it thinks there's arthritis. So it starts attacking and it swells up and everything. And that's oh, horrible because like I'd have days where I couldn't walk and it's like my elbows, my wrists, my neck, uh, and my hips and stuff. And I, it was like two, two, three years of all these different, right. Try this medication, try that. And the, they tried this one medication. It did, it started to help and all the flares stopped. But then my head started going really weird and I started getting mega anxious. And with the work that I do and was doing at the time, I'm dealing with like huge budgets of marketing and stuff. And I'm like getting all weird and worrying about everything. And and then it turns out I started doing research because like my Mrs. Beck was just on it all the time, just making sure that I was on the right stuff. And she was doing all the research. And we found like case studies where with these tablets that I was taking, they can make you go a little bit loopy and stuff. So they took me off those and instantly my head went back to normal. But then the flares just started again. 
So it just got yeah. really bad. But then about a year ago after, it was at the start of lockdown actually, really. Cause, well, when I, I was going back to them just saying like, look, I, I want to get on my life now. This I can't live like this. It's proper yeah. driving me nuts. It's just not fun anymore. And they tried me on these injections called biologics, which uh, Humira is called. And since then, it's been amazing. So I inject myself with these pens once every two weeks. And it's a good job I don't live in America because they probably cost about 10 grand a month or something. It's, they're made by Samsung. It's mental. And I inject these into my leg. Fine. Absolutely bang on. I don't take wow. anything else now. And like, and even when we toured, I was bricking it. I was like, oh, what's going to happen now? Because I've never put my body through that much stress since having all this. And, and it was slamming. Like I started getting a few pains in my hands and I was really freaking out a little bit. But just sat there with a practice pad. Fine. So to know that I'm all right now is, is wild. I genuinely thought I was done with drumming, which is wow. bonkers. So if, um, if you stop injecting then, it'll come back? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, rough. And it's a pain because i got to keep them in the fridge as well. So when we do tour, I've got to fly with, like, proper special fridge bags and stuff like that, which is a bit of a pain, but if it'll stop it happening... 100% dude and, and I said to Shane um, after we spoke earlier I was like look we're going to touch on it because like it gave me a wake up I haven't even got what you've got but mm. the boys he'll tell you I warm up before I go on I yeah. warm up when I'm not playing with the band um, it just when you know it's someone close it doesn't help it just fucking you're, you're like it's real you can see it on TV you can see it on like your favourite favourite musicians but when it's someone you fucking know you're a bit like oh mm. shit I better I better start looking after myself and I've, I've always yeah. tried to keep myself fucking nimble keep keep everything kind of moving um, but when I heard how you combated it that's what what I had the most respect for because yeah. um, it's so easy, dude. You could have just kind of gone, that's it. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. like, there's so many people in the world who, who obviously have an illness or something happens and, and that's it. They they just kind of draw a line and, and that's fucking it. Um, yeah. So the respect I have for you is the fact that if I knew you went through that, the, the, the pain, the suffering, the, 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 the head... Uh, how your head would have yeah. been uh, with managing all of that going on as well. Yeah. Um, and the fact of like, you know, we look at this picture now <laughs> and, and I'm like, that's fucking beautiful, dude. There's, there's yeah. your happy ending, but there, like, do you yeah. know what I mean? It's, oh, it does make it so much. Yeah. Like I do forget about it sometimes. I'm so used to just getting on with it. But when I think back to those times of just like, just like four in the morning, sitting downstairs crying, like, cause it was horrible. It's just like, what, what's the point anymore? I was genuinely done with everything. I was just, yeah, I just couldn't be asked. Like, why bother going through all this rubbish? Because I was also as well. It's like, like I, I like got my house and everything. I got back. We got the dogs and everything. I, I was earning well and stuff. And I was just thinking, do you know what? I don't need anything else anymore. I might just kind of leave it there and just make a little bit of money from the few bits of royalties that I got coming in, and just not even bother anymore, and just kind of retire early and stuff. But then, as soon as everything started working, it's like, whoa, come on, let's get on it. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, it's weird times. So, so you'd be in pain even if you weren't playing drums. It would. It was a constant. Oh yeah, I I wasn't playing drums at the time. I just I couldn't do it because I couldn't really hold the sticks and stuff when it was happening. But it would flare up. It was once the flares had stopped, I'd be okay. But yeah. then out of nowhere, just my hands would balloon up and stuff, and just pains all the time, and sometimes really rough. Like if I lifted a box or something or something heavy, I'd be out for like four days. Is, oh, is that like um, a genetic thing? Like, is anybody in your yeah. family? Ah, oh, right. Yeah, my dad's got arthritis. Right. Uh, my grandpa had arthritis. And yeah, so it's it's a big thing in my family. Right. Mm. Shit, but man. I really try and keep myself healthy now. I'm like mega into my meditation and my, I have freezing cold showers every morning just because that helps yeah. in certain ways. And yeah. like I started training now five days a week and I'm on it now. I'm, I'm full time with PRF and I'm like, right, I want to get fit now. I want to sort it out. There's no point in just switching off and making do. Love that. Dude. Fucking beautiful. What, um, <laughs> what type of um, meditation do you do? So I do quite a lot of different ones, but I do the Wim Hof stuff, which is all the cold exposure. And then every morning just doing like the breathing stuff and just mindfulness really. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm well into it all though. Like that's the one good thing about as much as, it was so shit with all the stuff that happened. It really got me thinking about like mental health and reading loads about meditation and mindfulness and looking at all these 
alternate holistic things and stuff. Like, not that it really helped the arthritis, but it really helped with my head. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's a big part of my life now. Like, every morning I'll have a normal shower and then switch it to absolute freezing and just and try and kind of go with it. And it's, it's class. <laughs> I do that. I do that as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's so good for you. Yeah. I've, done the, I've done the ice baths. Um, yeah. I've only managed to combat it with a cup of tea as well. Because there was like someone, <laughs> yeah. honestly, to <laughs> fuck. Um, someone said, if you have a cup of tea when you're in there, you can co- tolerate it for 10 minutes, like if that oh, makes sense. It? So it's oh. like, yeah, it's just like a, whether it's a placebo, but it's my placebo, like, but yeah. if you if you have a cup of tea, just by the side and you drink the cup of tea, <laughs> it, it just gets me through that fucking 10 minutes. Like, because um, Matt from Periphery does the, I'm, I'm going to look into it now, the uh, the barrel. Have you seen the barrel? Yeah, I'm going to buy one of them. Yeah. I, um, yeah. I kind of did something similar to that uh, when I was away. Um, there was a spa at the, at the hotel, but they had a uh, sauna, steam room, and all that type of stuff. But they had a snow room. Oh, nice. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. But then they have an ice bath. So I say an ice bath. It's just that you steps in a square hole, and it is. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. So cold. <laughs> oh, I, I couldn't believe yeah. that. I, I, and the thing is with me, like, whenever I, even if you go up in the swimming pool, in if it's in, like, 30 degrees, the swimming pool is always going to be cold, isn't it, or if you're at a hotel and stuff. And I don't tend to do the whole walk down the steps. I just jump in. I've, I've always been like that. I did that with this ice-cold plunge thing. I, I could not believe. My chest felt like it just instantly went tight, couldn't yeah. breathe, got out, Went straight into like um, a jacuzzi, <laughs> and my whole my whole skin were on was on fire. It was like, but like five minutes after, I felt like a million dollars. It was unbelievable. Yeah. It's bonkers the feeling you get from it, and just what it does to your skin and everything. And oh, yeah. it's wicked! Aids yeah. muscle recovery, helps your head, everything. There's there's a lot to it. Yeah, well, man, I didn't yeah. know you were on that. Obviously, I knew um, I follow Matt from Periphery, and he, he's he's gone well into it. There's a lot of drummers doing it now, see Shane, because of obviously uh, like the movements and the aches and the and the joints and stuff. And then when you go down that that rabbit hole, they're all saying about the, the what it does to your mind. And I didn't realize, and like you said, your skin as well. I didn't realize, yeah. just didn't realize all the benefits from it. Like you know, the other thing as well is the the whole Wim Hof method. There's the cold exposure is one off, and then there's the breathing is the other part, and it's basically holding your breath. It's what all the like free divers and stuff do. Yeah. So every like most mornings now, I'll do this where you'll just take like thirty deep breaths in and out, and then you'll expel all your air out and hold it, and you just meditate. Then so you just meditate in for as long as you can. And then you do four rounds of that. And first it'll be like, you've held your breath for a minute and a half, then two minutes. And then you come back and you're like, Jesus Christ, I just held my breath for like three and a half minutes meditating. And it's, it's wicked. And with the two of them together, like Wim Hof's a genius. It's so much to that. Yeah. 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 Send me a link with that. That sounds fucking incredible. Yeah. That does. Because um, Shane loves his swimming, and when I used to go swimming, I always used to do how long I get over my breath under the water. I just found mm. I'm a fucker for a competition as well, so I'd always try and beat how far I would go, like to the part where if it was uncomfortable, you just come up and then you get your breath. Um, mm. But I like I like the idea of that. That that seems fucking okay. cool. Like, yeah. yeah, send us a link for that, dude. Yeah, I will. Mm. But unbelievable, absolutely. Like I said, the recovery from everything, and then what you're doing with PRF, and like I said, you're um you're on the road, which has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Is the boys, man? You took uh took it took it live out on the road a couple of months ago, is it? Yeah, yeah. When was that? Yeah, December. So end of November, December, and sold out quite a few of the shows as well. Yes. Still can't believe how well that sold. Mm. It's- brilliant yet again blowing up all the socials must have been nice as well like i said an idea that you and the guys have fun with uh in in the studio and then to say right let's let's just fucking go out number one you do bloodstock and it's like well let's do our tour now um and then you've got the tram shed coming up if i'm right yeah yeah that's in three weeks and you boys gotta come down to that the production that we've got is insane like is we're not making we're not making any money. We're spending everything on it. Like our manager's just like, really? You want you want to spend five six grand do on that? Like yeah yeah, lovely. Check it on yeah. Amazing. <laughs> it's gonna be bonkers. Yeah, like we what we want to do like that tour obviously was amazing. That was a headline tour, and we just wanted to take the kind of studio on the road with us. So we had the backdrop printed, and we had the neon sign on stage and everything. But this 
is what you get with a kind of full experience now with all the lights the entire show like we're trying to turn this into a like a real big like a theater production almost instead of just being a band that goes on stage and plays it's not about that we want to really make it a show and that's always been the plan with this and yeah yeah, some of the stuff is going to be bonkers well, I'll make sure I message Benj not to spoil anything, but I, yeah. I'd be up for that, dude. We'll come down on the same. Yeah, I'm come down. Fucking, yeah. That would yeah, be yeah, slamming, we'll in, like. Because, mm-hmm. um, like I said, I've seen your live shows. Uh, I've seen clips all over the place. And you can see how you get the crowd going. Yeah. Everybody is into it. And what I like was you went from that backdrop um, and like like Cobb just said now, yeah. so you can see the neon sign in the background. And that's basically... That's your studio setup, but live yeah. on the road. Like, it's a version of it. Like, do you know what I mean? So that's what I found impressive when I seen the socials. Because I knew I knew you went down that path, like I said. And I was like, oh, cool as fuck. And then, obviously, when I seen that live, I was like, now that is wicked. That's, mm. that's a game changer again. Like, do you know what I mean? And this is going to be even different again now. It's a shame we've only used our backdrop once. We spent all our money on it. I used it once. <laughs> but now, yeah, entirely di- Just trying to do these kind of different variations of the show. And depending on what size of the venue or what kind of audience there is, we'll do a different show for each one. If it's a festival set, we'll do kind of one of those. And, and even to the way that, like, if we were going to do something like a B-Fest, we could do more of the pop stuff. If we're going to do Bloodstock, we're going to do more of the metal, Power Rangers-y type stuff. We're yeah. going to do Reading. We're going to do a different set. We want to make it so it's just we want to just be this kind of party band, really. Depend, and we can pick and choose a set based on that, the crowd that's going to be there and what they're going to love. <laughs> That makes perfect sense. And obviously you've got Teddy Rocks coming up as well, which we're yeah. excited about that one because that'll be the first one we're actually playing with you as well, which is great yeah. after all these years, mate. Um, <laughs> really looking forward to that one. Yeah, we can't wait to see you boys. And that's yeah, that's just going to be a wicked show. That is a really good cause and looking forward to that one. Yeah, man. Can't, can't mm. wait. Absolutely can't wait. And the 17th, like I said, for anybody who's watching this, if you go, um, well, tickets are available from punkrockfactory.com and so is their back catalogue of vinyl T-shirts. The merch is brill, dude. It's all marketed towards whether it be the songs or the album. Um, like I said, some of the names they they literally because they they get they're fun like that's what I love like a whole new worst because you had the whole sausage factory going on as well yeah. which was great um, and and that one obviously first the worst is yet to come do you know what I mean so it's it's a great playoff what you were doing <laughs> and then the merch is fab as well so all that's available as well uh, at punk punkrockfactory.com yeah yeah all on there yeah we're constantly updating it all the time bringing out new merch pretty much every week. Yeah. Yeah, we got some really good new merch coming up as well for the Tram Shed show. There we are, bro. We're definitely coming now. We've sold now. Yeah. We'll be there, brother. Lovely. Oh, thank you so much for joining us, bud. It's been an absolute pleasure oh, talking with you and picking your brain with all the sort of media stuff. Um, hopefully other bands as well, if they're listening. It's a real insight, brother. Thank you so much for your time. Anytime. Absolute honour to come on. We're going to play out now uh, with your latest track then so we don't talk about Bruno. Lovely. Thank you so much, bro. Enjoy. Talk Thanks, hands. boys. Take care. See you soon. soon. See you on a tram shed. Yes. Too soon. Cheers, Cobb. Saturdays. We don't talk about Bruno, no, no, no. We don't talk about Bruno.
the next day dead. He told me I grow gut, and just like he said, he said would disappear. Now look at my head. Thanks for listening to Crowcast Podcast. Don't forget, this episode is also available to watch on our YouTube channel. For up-to-date information on everything Crows, follow us on all our socials or visit our website, thosedamncrows.com. Tidy. Ta-da!